ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps, it's time for the podcast. I'm gonna try this. Uh, Rihanna, don't hold it against me. Uh, uh, you used to sleep to the stuff I was. Uh, I don't think I can do it, patrons. Used to sleep on the stuff that I blow to you. The dolls to you. I should have wrote this out, baby. I got my words twisted. Uh, I'm just a silly goof with like a, a lull, lull lisp. And uh, your sleeping will be the advantage. Okay, trends. I'm getting goofy, but I won't be singing anymore while I lull to you. But a bada bada bada, I'll give a doll to you, patrons. Alright, I'm with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's a thoughts, a feelings, a physical sensations, so things you're thinking about, things you're physically coming up for you, or emotionally bubbling up for you, or all of them, you know, changes, your travel, uh, you know, like seasonal stuff, boy stuffing seasonal stuffing or stu- you know any of those things uh, whatever's keeping you up i'd like to take your mind off of that and what i'm going to do is try to create a safe place as i said so come on in uh, get comfy or cozy if you wish but there's no you don't even need to do that because uh, what i'm going to do you could just t- take it for it's i do delivery because uh, i send my voice across the deep dark night I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, uh, you know, extra dialogue, filler words, rumination, like uh, thoughts on rumination. Uh, You know, we'll be talking about that. Uh, It's a very strong word. You know, I'll be ruminating on rumination, the word rumination. Because I do like it. it. Like, it is very, that's a tactile word. Uh, but let me get to the new, if you're new, let me give you a couple things to go by. Thanks for checking the show out. Uh, let me structurally give you a lowdown because it can be confusing. This is a new podcast. You're probably skeptical, which makes total sense. If this is your first encounter with creaky dulcet tones and pointless meanders, you're, uh, let me, uh, let me, yeah, I just want to get you, uh, Comfortable, I guess, would be the word. I was going to say organized, but you, you don't need to throw your stuff wherever you want or place it gently. You know, do t- you know, t- take your shoes off and leave them on. I also have these different uh, other things. So, you know, we have socks, we have uh, slippers, flats, those things, these, those things that are on Facebook ads that you put on your feet. Look at all of those, that stuff. Uh, oh, structurally, what to expect. A show starts off with just a few minutes of business. And then it goes into an intro. And it's not important for new listeners, uh, but that's literally how we keep the show going and free. Uh, then there's an intro, which we've just started. The intro is not an advertisement. It's a show within a show. Uh, like, like to kind of, for a new listener, 
it's a kind of weird, it's a, a bit of a contradiction, just like everything in the sleep podcast business that I'm involved in. Because uh, it's here to kind of introduce a concept, uh, in, <laughs> introduce an impossible concept to the new listener and to put the regular listener either at ease or have them fall asleep or be something familiar. Uh, put a smile on your face or their face. Uh, so that's about 12 minutes, a 12 minute intro. And usually what happens is I, I talk, then I go off topic, which is what happens during the whole. That's why it's a show within a show. And then there'll be a little business between the intro and the show, and then a bedtime story. Tonight will be about an episode of The Good Place. And so the intro sometimes people say, well, that you, were, you were just talking about nothing or self-promoting for 12 or 14 minutes. But no, no. Give it a shot. You, don't, you like a, That's the other thing about the podcast. So it's a structure. Uh, but it's uh, it's uh, tough to process it the first few times if you try to make sense of it or compare it to how normal podcasts are structured. Yeah, ours is a little bit different. It's uh, it's it's got full. You say, well, you put the uh, I don't know. You put the filling on the inside and the outside. And I say that's right. I did. It's all fluff. It, it's uh, layers of fluff. You say, well, I thought that was just the. Uh, no, you say usually they just have the fluff at the top for a minute or two. And they say, no, ours is layers of fluff. So that's the structure of the show. Also, g- good news, no pressure to listen or make sense of things. You could just kick back and kind of passively consume the podcast. If it's your first fruit tries, you know, just kind of look at it like a strange, like a celestial body. Or just, you know what, just let's just keep it simple. A celestial object. Uh, you'd say, what is that up there? Uh, uh, moving so gently or is it moving or is it just uh, fixated in place is it twinkling or is it a uh, you know you, you say okay well, let me just uh, kick back uh i wonder if that's a planet or a planetoid and, you know regular listeners would say well step down or below what's a, what's a little bit less than a planetoid but you know not a stroid and you say well we don't know so, so you don't need to listen and you don't there's no actually there's other contradiction no pressure to fall asleep uh, this is a podcast that's here to keep you company as you fall asleep, so you can drift off as you wish. Uh, I'm going to be here for about an hour, and if you can't sleep, I'll be here till the very end uh, to, to, to be your friend in the deep, dark night. And why do I make this podcast? Why do we talk about, ru- like, I don't normally try to talk about rumination, but I think when you hear this, it'll be right after, in the U.S., the big uh, one of the big holidays. One of the better ones, in my opinion, because you get Thursday and Friday off. And I'm recording this before at a time. So for me, you know, those these event, especially these event type holidays where there's a, a meal, a shared meal, they can come and then there's the decor, like, because they say, uh, you know, you get the decoration pressure because they say, well, the next holiday's coming up and, uh, yeah, I had to move. The only way I could take down my holiday decorations from 2014 was to move. And believe it or not, th- there must be a list somewhere because my landlord literally said, uh, you know, if you put anything up, you got to take it down right away. And I said, well, then we just won't have decorations. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So there's that kind of rigmarole. Then there's the, like, if it's before or after, if it's after, you could be processing how things went, you know. I'm trying to do this in a circuitous way. 
Uh, but ahead of time, you know, there could be, you say, what am I going to bring? What am I going to make? Uh, how, why do I got to bring stuff? That could always be something. And you say, how did they get, figure out making a holiday that's just a big potluck? Why don't they just call it potluck? Uh, they could just call it, we could, you know, let's change, can we, is that okay to change the mythology around it? No, okay. Because I found a mythical, I do have these mythical, as Thanksgiving is a holiday I'm talking about, uh, figures in my life, in my cabinets. Even though I moved, I found a uh, can of uh, Sunny Select Turkey Gravy with expiration date of 2013 on it. And that is even a layer of rumination. It's like, well, one, why did you move with it? I said, good question. So I could use it in a podcast intro, maybe. Uh, two, what the heck, what's going, what's going on with that? Uh, and they said, well, I was worried one about a gravy short, the great, you know, didn't you read those uh, articles about the great gravy shortage of, uh, once upon, once upon a time? No. Also, by the way, Scoot, you also have two other things like turkey gravy in your cat. Okay. So then you have that S-H-A-M-E word. And again, this is, I'm sharing this with you so you can relate. So you say, well, I'm not alone. And they say, well, do I owe that gravy? So I say, oh, should I write an ode? Oh, great. Oh, turkey gravy. Hear my voice across the night. Uh, hear my ode of apology for not using the except in my anxiety. Oh, turkey gravy. I beg you to forgive me. Or at least, you know what? No, no, you don't need to. That was the wrong way. I was, well, I don't know if I was wrong to purchase you, so that's, uh, but I was wrong, or was I wrong not to use you? I guess I was wrong with my intention, oh, turkey gravy, because I just bought you just in case, uh, worried I would be invited to a random Thanksgiving, unpredictably not on Thanksgiving Day, and I would have to grab you so I could get entrance and not feel embarrassed that I didn't bring anything. And there you sat in my cabinet, uh, sitting there, oh, turkey gravy, with all of your ingredients, uh, least of which was turkey when I read you recently, and the unpronounceable ingredients whose names I should be able to give full voice to, I apologize. You are both the whole and the sum of all of your parts. I don't know if you wish in deep form to be used. You know, uh, by the way, check out Theory of Everything podcast on PRX. It's a member of Radiotopia. Uh, just, just search for Theory of, Theory of Everything in your podcast tab. Uh, but anyway, oh, turkey gravy. Uh, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to use you further as a device in making a metaphor about rumination and how... Wondering tonight if I did, if this was a true apology or, you know, uh, you know, I'll be still thinking about it, turkey gravy. Maybe I could cradle you here and say, hey, I'm sorry if, if I could make a podcast just for things in my cupboard. Universally, of course, I mean, the great cupboard that holds us all called the, the is it the universe of the galaxy? Oh, turkey gravy, if I could hold you in my heart, uh, that would, you know, I don't know if that'd be a good idea, but to hold you like I'm holding you in my heart, uh, 
to tell you a bedtime story tonight to take your mind off of whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, using these lulling, soothing, creaky, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Not modified with cornstarch, uh, not dehydrated onions, or not like those two containers of crunchy onions also in my cupboard, along with the cranberry and the cream of mushrooms, all in my one-day uh, Thanksgiving cupboard. Oh, turkey gravy. Maybe I'm just here to soothe you, too. To take your mind off of stuff, any existential feelings you might have, uh, especially when you say, well, why did you put, you know, why couldn't you just, uh, maybe you had your whole community there and your friends, uh, oh, you're just a can of gravy. Okay, well, it sounds like you're talking to me now. Why don't you get uncomfortable? I'm rocking you so gently, thinking about your viscosity. And saying, as a canned good, maybe I'll just keep you forever. You truly are more, oh, enrobed in paper that says Sunny Select. Oh, glue that binds you to the can that holds you. Oh, gravy. You are great, and I, I doth apologize uh, uh, for not living up to, well, I guess I have lived up to, if you, you couldn't choose me, though. But I soothe you, okay, Gravy. Thank you for hearing me tonight. Uh, and, and to everyone else out there, yeah, maybe it's time. You know, I'll be here to take your mind off stuff. But in the moments uh, before the podcast or after, go ahead and, and, you know, picture a kitten in your arms or a puppy or baby or a can of turkey gravy. Snuggled in as we gently rock it, in, you know, soothing from the heart and saying, huh, I know. And let the, you know, even though this can is covered in, you know, paper that says turkey gravy with a perfect picture of uh, deliciousness on its cover, let it reflect back to you. You can rock yourself at the same time. Those forgotten cans, uh, maybe they don't need to be ruminated on. Maybe they'll fully forgive us 100% right to turkey gravy and say no rumination needed for the ode we sing in your honor. And, uh, you know, the gent- you know, especially with this gently rocking, don't you like it? Oh, turkey gravy. Both a symbol and a reality at the same time. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate your time and checking the show out, especially if you're new. Give it a few tries. No reason you wouldn't be skeptical, especially at this point. Uh, but I'm here to help uh, to take your mind off stuff. Uh, I work very hard. I yearn and I strive because I want to help you fall asleep. Uh, and here's a couple of ways we keep the show uh, going. All right, everybody, we're talking about episode nine, Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. And this is the last episode before the break in the season. Uh, or is, it is a, like a, there's a cloud hanger on this one uh, till, till we meet again, till we return to the good place. Uh, opens uh, 
with a 5 a.m. wake up. And I said, are those hazel eyes I'm seeing, are they blue? Are they green? Let me just look here. They're about to come on. There's the NBC peacock. Uh, there's the eyes. It's a gray, green, gray, blue, like a, a quilt, a man getting out of bed. And I said to myself, uh, what in the name of Better Call or is that Martin Mall? It really did say that. I, it was like, who, which, who is this, Michael McKean or, or, or Martin Mall? And it went back and forth as they showed it. Uh, at first, I was certain, but then there was a couple of shots where I said, no, this could be Martin Mall. Like maybe, uh, and they said, either way, I'm buckled up for a ride. There's an eight track cassette player, a Mama Cass Elliott song plays. It's all part of a morning prep montage. Um, he's reading, uh, Pete Singer, the most good you can do, which is a book, uh, it's a real book, uh, working on solar panels, harvesting radishes, washing radishes. Can at first I was like, he's canning, but then I, there wasn't any liquid in the cans. So then I said, no, he's more jarring, uh, for storage than canning and preserving radishes, uh, for donations. Uh, so more of a transport method uh, for the Alberta Food Bank. Then, uh, and I guess I thought he was in Calgary. Maybe he's in is Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, right? Uh, I don't know. That'll come up later. Uh, then he's, at first I thought he was journaling. Uh, but now in the, uh, like, uh, the uh, context of the episode, I think he's like, uh, like accounting for things. So, so maybe a form of, uh, like I thought I thought of a word I could trademark, uh, what's they called? Uh, like, uh, like when you have the book, the accounting book, uh, life, uh, life, not life accounting. That could be a good one, but that sounds a little bit, I mean, that's what he's actually doing. Uh, it's like a journal, I guess life journaling is not the right word. What is it called? Not a register. Life registering, no, t- trademark. I thought of it, uh, what's it called? If it's not a journal, it's a uh, ledger, life ledgering. That's what he's doing. And I'd like to trademark that for a future book, Life Ledgering. It'll come out in uh, 2028, ledgering your life uh, for happy, you know, in more, you know, like a, a new form of uh, to do life, life ledger. Get yourself a life ledger. Yeah, but so he's doing that, and there's a knock at the door, and they say, hello, and it's a reveal of Doug Forsett. Uh, Michael's totally starstruck, which is super cute, uh, and he says, we're here with the Calgary Times uh, something. They have press patch, pass badges, uh, uh, Calgary Times something, journal maybe? I put examiner, but I don't think it, it fits on the press pass badge, but uh, maybe it does, uh, or Express, Calgary Times Express, uh, Calgary Express. Maybe there's a joke in there I missed. Uh, and they, so they have press pass badges. Uh, Michael says, I'm Michael Scoop. This is Janet Scoop. Uh, we're the Scoop. This is my, she's my sister. We're the Scoops. And then there's a millisecond joke reaction from Janet, which is gold. So don't miss it on your second or third rewatch. She says, oh, boy. Uh, then they talk about, we're doing a human interest story on you, Doug. We heard about how you live off the grid. I just noticed the first the first time Doug has a, a lamp with a, like a hand-painted lampshade, kind of watercolor painting lampshade, 
which is interesting. Uh, and he says, well, is your paper printed on recycled paper? They say, yeah. He says, all right, then. Uh, and then there was this moment that kind of stuck out to me, both for its cuteness, but also as like, a, um, what is this scene going to pay off later in the show? Uh, not the episode, but Janet takes his photo and Michael's trying to get it just like the portrait of Doug, young Doug, Doug Forsett. You know, my life is young Doug Forsett. My portrait of a young Doug Forsett. Uh, and I just, it was just a moment that stuck out to me. And I just like how cute Michael wants to get it the same uh, as the portrait. Like, look there, you know, do this with your face. Uh, then they're having a fireside chat. Uh, they say, he says, here's 1972. Randy and I had a mushroom salad and, uh, they saw it with perfect clarity how to live the perfect life. Uh, now, behind him, I think he's in a um, rocking chair. There's an Afghan, and it has, a, like, it's square. It has yellow, lime green, dark green, light brown, uh, square, squarish designs with with the yellow frills on the ends, Uh or whatever, ta- I guess, those, are those tassels? I don't know. And he talks about how he learned to maximize his point totals. Uh, Michael says, that makes perfect sense. Uh, then he says, oh, geez, you've been here like for 10 minutes. I haven't offered you water or radishes. Uh, would you like something? They say, water. So he leaves, and Michael's still starstruck. And he says, how cool is he? He goes, stars, they really are just like us, uh, and Janet says, Jesus, he's lucky he didn't have the vision Randy had about a world of ears. Uh, and Michael says, he really is the blueprint. Uh, then he brings glasses of water, another character revealing moment. Uh, his glasses are mismatched, which is kind of cool because he has these, like, you know, he gets his glasses at the thrift shop or whatever. He also has an old school aluminum ice tray. One of the glasses is smooth glass with wheat painted on it. Um, and then the other glass is uh, like uh, has a design to it uh, or a texture to it, like ice cubes almost, which would seem good to hold and, and drink out of. He also says, I brought ice cubes and cozy. You know, you have your water wherever you want. Then there's a nice funny twist on the water. Uh, then we go to the Puking Moose Saloon, which has some nice uh, signs, uh, signage, and uh, wallpaper and stuff. And uh, Cheaty has this f- funny moment because he's uncheaty. Uh, he says, she said, uh, you know, saving sco- souls is great uh, and saving skull. Saving skull, skull, souls is great, but uh, it's time to relax and kick back. Uh, I need to re-render my chorf. And they say, what did you say? He said, I don't know, but I'm tired. I got jet lag. Uh, uh, Jason's also very likable and amusing. He says, hey, Jesus, there's a pool table. You want to play some pool? Uh, then Eleanor watches him go to the pool table. She's kind of staring and smiling. And she says, uh, Tahani, can I ask your advice? Uh, and not to go off topic, but Tahani says, hey, are you talking? Do you want to ask my advice about your grading speaking voice? And I think that's funny because I get that email every day, like literally every day, uh, sometimes more than once a day or on iTunes or something uh, where somebody talks about my voice. Uh, it's always amusing to me because they, the, they kind of uh, are in belief that they're the first person or they've captured some way to talk about my voice in a not-so-nice way ever. And I'm always like, you know, I've heard that one 1,000 times. uh yeah, uh, and then I click uh, recycle.
But it's just it was just weird to say, well, why don't you just not listen uh, if my voice is so grating? But Tahani's solution is elocution lessons. Uh, and Eleanor says, what? No, no, I was ta- wanted to talk about Chidi. And then she says, oh, yeah, tell me about Chidi. Really funny, funny exchange. Uh, then our Janet's doubts start to creep in about uh, uh, Doug. So she kind of is like kind of doing the truth telling or representing the audience too. She says, doesn't he seem lonely? Or they say that to him. And he says, well, I'm friends with snails. Uh, here's one of my friends right here. He also says, you know, I don't want to be mean to radishes. That's why I only eat radishes. Lentils have the smallest impact. Uh, then we go back to the bar, and they're going to play No Rules Pool, which is called Jacksonville-style pool. And if you want to pronounce it correctly, you say all the syllables really fast, but you got to hit all the syllables to say it like Jason, yeah, which kind of means you make up your own rules and points. Uh, so Chidi says, why not? He scores $5 million. It did make me want to put this out to like people that are smarter than me, uh, or like think about this stuff more. Like, what would be, how would this game work? Does everyone have to be honest to, to play it, or just uh, joyfully immersed in the game? I mean, that kind of seems like Jason's perspective, and then Chidi also kind of get, ends up getting immersed in the joy of the game briefly. Uh, does it have to be a non-competitive thing? How does a game work where you choose your own score? Uh, can it ever operate in a fair way? Uh, or what kind of personalities would it take for it to just be fun? I guess you'd say, are you, do you have the ability to have fun? I would say, hmm, probably a better off watching uh, as a third party, watching a TV show version of it, uh, where someone, Jason say, that sounds uh, super fun. And Chidi might say, well, I may be able to find a way to have fun with this. Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. There's, you could probably do an hour about that, uh, uh, then Tahani, I said awkward on giving advice, but uh, I don't. Maybe it's just a looks, or maybe it's a questions. Uh, but then she says, "Don't you want to know how Chidi feels?" Because Eleanor's kind of talking about uh, her trips uh, to the reboots, and she kind of says, "In the end, isn't it important to tell someone how you feel?" Uh, then we hop back to Doug, and his he he's care a caretaker of seventy one dogs and dog friends. Uh, that he's discovered. He uh, does Raymond's laundry. Raymond arrives, uh, loses Doug's shoe. And I guess this is where the cracks form, and Janet starts to see them first because he says, uh, my job's just to make people like Raymond happy. That's how the system works. He does say remember with a big question mark, which I said, does uh, is that another hint or is that just a referral to the earlier in the episode? And somebody says, oh, then there's a commercial. And Janet says to Michael, like, Michael, you got to face facts. Uh, I don't know about this guy. He just eats radishes and lentils. He's a happiness pump. And he says, a happiness pump? She says it was one of uh, Chidi's lessons. I think it's a counter-argument to determinism. Uh, and uh, she says, he, Doug just does things. You can't just do stuff to make people happy at your own expense. Uh, it's not sustainable. And it may not be ethical. I think that may be like the broader question. Uh, like, uh, what's your d- deeper motivation? Uh, which is kind of makes me identify with Doug in a different way. Because sometimes I do think about what, what you know, like uh, when you make a lot of decisions, uh, uh, based on A N E X I, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, 
Uh, but then they say, okay, we got, I think we got everything we need, Doug. We're going to head out. Uh, he says, thanks, Mark. And then he goes, oh, no, your name's Michael. I'm going to lose points. And then he says, let me give you a haircut. Then he bumps into a snail. He says, does anyone know any snail first uh, helping? Anybody got any tape? Uh, then we go back to Jacksonville-style pool. And Cheetah's really having fun. He scores $30 million, blows Jason's mind. Uh, but then it's time for Eleanor and Cheetah to talk. So they go to a booth. Uh, and Eleanor starts to tell him. And she goes, you and I are like, uh, we're like a, bo-. and then she goes, Bomba John. Because Bomba John walks in. But Cheetah goes, yeah, yeah, we are kind of like a little Bomba John, huh? And she goes, no, doof. Uh, then Vicky and other, she goes, these are, uh, Beings from the good place that isn't so good. Uh, then uh, Tahani says, she tells Tahani and uh, Jason, who Tahani says, just because people wear stonewashed denim. Uh, then Jason goes into action mode. Uh, Jason action season hello, I'm sean oh so then some action happens and sean says hello i'm sean where's michael uh then we go to uh like a a memorial Uh, and we see some memorials from uh rosa parks uh, the deer of being who wrote a deer 2007 uh franklin delanor raccoon 2007 uh martin oh no no abraham lincoln einstein uh, Mandela Goose, uh, 2015. Martin Luther, Gandhi, Tyler Moore. Little, you know, that was funny. Uh, uh, 20, whatever, this year, 2018, maybe. Uh, uh, snail. Uh, and um, Doug's making a speech about the snail. He's even using inclusive pronouns. Uh, then he, uh, there's eight total memorials. So I wondered who else was being memorialized. Uh, Life, love, and the limits of scotch tape. Uh, he says, a happy, slimy trails. Uh, and he says he's going to walk to Edmonton. And uh, uh, Michael says, can I ask you a few more questions? Or maybe I could give you some advice. Uh, and he says, I've been a re- reporter for a long time on this crazy blue marble. Met a lot of regular folks. And I've never seen someone dedicated to making other people happy. And Michael says, dude, you got to loosen up, bud. Have an ice cream or uh, a chicken parm. Uh, drink some regular water. Uh, Michael's like a little bit kindly exasperated. And he says, you got to relax. And Doug says, no, no, man, I can't risk it. Uh, everything I do is being measured. I'm going to go to a snail charity. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we cut back to the bar. Uh, the hot mailman dude is behind the bar. He looks a bit like that guy uh, in Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 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 then Sean's making a speech about how much he loves seeing the looks on people's faces. Best part of my job. And Eleanor makes a speech as they zoom in on her about how they're outmatched by Michael. Yeah, it's a total bust. And then Michael rolls in. And he says, hello, Michael. And they cut to a commercial. Then Michael says, hello, Sean. Other buds uh, from uh, other worlds. Uh, And they're trying to decide what to do because they're going to say, we're going to put you through the portal. You know, uh, we have our own portal. 
uh, to the bad place. Uh, then Janet, a really fun scene, great way to, uh, uh, to, to take a break on. Like there's this full, uh, choreographed, uh, full on action Janet scene. Uh, I wonder if there's any Janet Jackson, uh, but it was more of a action movie Janet scene. Tahani shows off her 12 years of fencing. Jason and Janet have a small moment. Uh, real, I, I mean, it, it made my heart palpitate. Uh, she says, thanks, Jason. Uh, let's see. How did you know? Oh, because uh, cheating Eleanor behind the bar. So then Eleanor spills the beans, you know, and she says, she spills it like, yeah, like we're a thing, like uh, a thing thing in love, she says. And I think I'm in love with you again here now in Canada in this bar or whatever. Uh, Janet goes into the door. She gets her powers back. Uh, then they they say, you know, the day is saved. We did it. And they say, no, no, Janet did it. Thank you, Janet. Uh, then they talk to Sean. He says, we build our own door. Michael says, why can't you leave us alone? Or somebody says that. He goes, I want your nostrils. I love them. And he says, I just have a hunch. Uh, it's not going to work out for you, for anybody, not even Doug Forsett. Uh, and I just wanted you to know that. And Michael sends him out. Uh, and he says, uh, don't you want to know? He goes, no, why do you let that guy keep saying mean stuff? Uh and then Michael's kind of stuck. He says, geez, I thought Doug was the blueprint. Uh, maybe the system is all really is not correct. And he says, we got to figure out some evidence, go to the source, uh, to the accountant. And he says, you guys stay at Doug for sets, take care of his puppies in his laundry. And, but then all of the other people like uh, Glenn and everybody else come back, uh, into the bar, uh, from the not so great place. And Janet says, well, it's a, this was really hard to end the season because I said, I want to see what Janet's void is like. But she goes, why don't we all go into my void? Uh, and she goes, but say goodbye to Earth because uh, when you go into my void, you'll be voided. Uh, and they say goodbye, Earth. Uh, and then it cuts. Uh, and that was the end of the episode. Really, really good. Uh, I mean, really, really fun. If this is like, a, I don't know how long the break's going to be, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Uh, probably be f- f- maybe six weeks actually, because it's November. Probably start off a couple weeks into January, maybe. Uh, uh, but a great way, gr- great, uh, great fun. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, let's go over some of the stuff that came up in the episode here. I'm just waiting for Evernote to fire up. Uh, here I am. I mean, I like. Uh, I don't know. The episodes just have different kind of notes to them. I didn't look at who wrote each episode. Uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I felt like this episode was like, uh, you know, they always have the nice balance of emotion, comedy. And, uh, yeah, but let's talk about eye color, because that was the first thing that came up, uh, which is a polygenic uh, phenotypic character. Uh, determined by two distinct factors, the pigmentation of the eye's iris and the frequency dependence of scattering of light by the turbid medium in the strom of the iris, um, which is cool. I want to look up what hazel is, though. Uh, classification of color, structural color. Green irises, for example, have some blue and some yellow. Uh, brown are mostly brown, but some have a limbal ring. 
I think I, there was a musical with a song, uh, Come Into the Limbo Ring, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to, where's the changes in eye color? Uh, let's see. There's even a Martin scale on eye color, maybe. Uh, here's the ones they have listed. Amber, blue. Yeah, a lot about blue eyes. Uh, uh, brown, gray, green, and then hazel. And what does hazel even mean? At first I thought my eyes were hazel, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's due to a combination of Rayleigh scattering and moderate amount of melanin in the iris's anterior border layer, according to Wikipedia. Uh, hazel eyes often appear to shift in color from brown to green, although hazel mostly consists of brown and green. The dominant color can be brown, gold, or green. Uh, this is how many people mistake hazel eye colors. I guess I'm looking at this one hazel. I think that might be David Copperfield's eyes. Uh, or da- Who's the ma- magician? Is that David Copperfield? Uh and the uh, definitions can vary. So uh, then there's also red and violet eyes. And of course, we say, no, Scoots. And I'd say, I agree with you. This uh, eye colors come in a spectrum. Uh, but yeah, that's what happens when you just go, you know, gloss over eye color. But again, I'm not even sure. Maybe the eyes were gray in the opening. Yeah, like right now, I'm doing the research portion. Now, how about Michael McKean? I mean, if you want to talk about somebody to look up to, uh, he's someone to do so. He was uh, on Laverne and Shirley. He played Lenny. He was on SNL in the 90s. Uh, he's been in uh, several Christopher Guest films, including uh, Spinal Tap. Is Spinal Tap a Christopher Guest film, or was that a uh, uh, Rob Reiner movie? Or is just Rob Reiner in Spinal Tap? Uh, uh, he, like, was lead guitarist. He's playing guitar in uh, his uh, Wikipedia picture. Uh, lead vocalist and co-lead guitarist uh, in Spinal Tap as uh, Hubbins. And in uh, Mighty Wind, uh, he won a Grammy for a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Uh, and was also nominated for Best Song uh, Academy Award. Plays Chuck McGill on Better Call. And, I mean, that's like a holy mackerel. Uh, he's from uh, Long Island, Seacliff. Uh, uh, so shout out to the strong. Yeah, it was a student at uh, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, that's where, uh, is that where he met? Uh, oh, he met Harry Shearer? Oh, no, after graduation. Uh, uh, yeah, he was one member of Lenny and Squiggy. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he was in. He's in a movie with Kiefer Sutherland and Dennis Hopper. Uh, other shows, uh, yeah, like a really like a wide, wide, widespread career. Uh, you could go on and on, but, but just someone that uh, I don't, I don't know. I always like it. Uh, he won a Celebrity Jeopardy against Jane Curtin and Cheech Marin in 2010. I would love to see that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you, you can, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He was in planes, trains, and automobiles, too. Holy cow. Uh, but it was him and not Martin Mall. And you might say to yourself, who's Martin Mall? And, I, I, you know, we've got a, a very diverse audience. And I wanted to give everybody a chance to be exposed to Martin Mall. 
uh, let's see, he was on uh, uh, Hart- Hartman and then Fernwood Tonight, uh, Mary Hartman and the Mary Hartman spinoff uh, Fernwood Tonight, uh, Colonel Mustard in the movie Clue. Uh, he was on the TV, like uh, TV shows, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, Roseanne, uh, Danny Phantom, uh, Arrested Development. He's also like someone that plays the guitar in his picture. Uh, let's see, he was in Taxi, Golden Girls, even. Holy mackerel! Yeah, I recently saw him in Mr. Mom, uh, which I rewatched a couple months ago. Uh, what else? Uh, he was a guest star in Hollywood Squares. Uh, he, you see, in the final season, 2003 and 2004. Uh, let's see, Gene Parmesan. And, uh, he's also been in other sitcoms. Uh, he plays music. I think he does art, too. Yeah, he's also known uh, for, for art. Uh, like pop art, collage, photorealist paintings. Uh, one of his books was on the cover of uh, My Sister, My Love from uh, Joyce Carol Oates. Uh, and a cover of uh, uh, Steve Martin, Edie Brickell album, Love Has Come For You. And, uh, yeah, I mean, another, just a person that had Really varied, varied career, but also very funny uh, and grounded. They, they, I guess that's why almost like, uh, well, they're different. They're both in a lot of mockumentaries, and they both have this kind of grounded, uh, dry, uh, humanistic uh, humor, I would say. Maybe, I mean, maybe not. Maybe you don't agree with me, but that's cool. But So we'll talk about A-Track Tapes. Uh, now these were getting phased out by the time I came around, but I'd still you'd still see them occasionally. Like on a one of my cousins had it in his car, uh, uh, a track t- tape formerly known as Stereo Eight, uh, commonly known as a track cartridge, uh, was a magnetic t- tape recording technology before cassettes, uh, and even alongside cassettes for a time. It's considered obsolete and was relatively known outside of the United States, UK, King, UK, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, and Japan. Now listen to this history, though. This is where it gets interesting. Stereo 8 was created by a consortium uh, led by Bill Lear of Learjet, uh, Ampex, Ford Motor Corporation, General Motors, RCA, uh, and it was a further development of a stereo pack four-track cartridge uh, uh, later, quadraphonic sound and quad eights. Uh, it came after reel to reel, which was too expensive or practical uh, for home use. Uh, and they developed these tape cartridges, endless loop tape cartridges designed in 1952. And uh, Bill Lear got in on this at some point, uh, and they kept doing it. Then the stereo eight, Learjet stereo eight track cartridge. Uh, it came out in uh, 1963 at neoprene, rubber, and nylon pinch roller and a cartridge. Uh, you know, just just some improvements. It was a commercial success because uh, uh, of the booming auto industry. In 1965, Ford put it in their cars, uh, factory installed. Uh, let's see, an option in the uh, Mustang, Thunderbird, and Lincoln. RCA introduced 175 car- cartridges. Uh, from some of its labels, 
1967 Ford's vehicles, uh, all of them offered this as an upgrade option. Uh, you've probably seen it in other movies, uh, like in a combo with a radio. Uh, some offered uh, combo 4, 8, and 12-track players. Uh, if four, even though it had problems, it wasn't totally, ban- you know, like companies, it was uh, steadily more and more popular. Home players in 66, uh, they didn't, they missed out on the boombox boom, I think, uh, but they did have those uh, uh, Tandy Corporation. Oh, no, no, a few manufacturers offered them, uh, but Tandy, Radio Shack did. Uh, for a short time, they were considered a viable alternative to record, vinyl records, uh, especially with car use. Uh, uh, they came in Rolls Royces and Bentleys even, uh, early karaoke machines, uh, quiz ga- game games. Uh, uh, but then the decline started in the 70s when the compact cassette arrived. Uh, and they're phased out of retail stores by 82 and out of Columbia and RCA record clubs in 88. Uh, most rare releases are Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood and Bruce Springsteen East Street Band Live 1975 to 85. Uh, so the debate among collectors about the last commercial A track released by a major label is. Uh, Either Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits, uh, that's what it seems like, it, but released by Radio Shack. Uh, oh, no, Radio Shack keep, keep putting out blank ones. Uh, but it survived as a professional broadcast card uh, for a decade longer radio stations. Uh, so there's a little bit. There's a lot more if you link into this article from the show notes if you want to know more. Well, let's talk a little more about Mama Cass. Uh, Mama Cass Elliott's. Uh, she was, uh, known as Mama Cass, a uh, singer and actress, a uh, member of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, she had five solo albums and she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, adopted the name Cass in high school, borrowing it from actress Peggy Cass, uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh, she assumed the surname Elliot sometime later. Uh, she went to the same high school Jim Morrison went to. Let's see. She uh, While in high school, she got interested in acting. She did some acting. And she left school before graduation or after graduation, shortly before, uh, to pursue an acting career. Uh, she was in a touring version of uh, The Music Man. Uh, oh, she left to pursue that, but uh, she lost the part uh, to Barbara Streisand. Uh, she worked as a cloakroom attendant at the show place where she would also kind of sing while working. I was in the Greenwich Village. Uh, and she moved to D.C. to attend uh, American University, though some people say Swarthmore, uh, is what she sings about one of her songs. Uh, that's when the folk, sing was kick, folk scene was kicking it. Uh, and, you know, people like John Brown, Tim Rose, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and let's see, Tim Rose, Elliot, and Hendrix uh, timmed up with, uh, so she was bouncing around these groups, Love and Spoonful, New Journeymen, new people, all in these different bands. Uh, a popular legend about Elliot is that her vocal range was improved uh, by three notes when she uh, uh, walked through something. Uh, 
and it was confirmed in an interview with Rolling Stone. Uh, however, they said that was story was a explanation, different explanation. Uh, uh, then they became the Mamas and the Papas, uh, the New Journeymen. Uh, they came up with that name. Then a solo career. Uh, Dream a little dream of me. Uh, it was released on Dunhill Records. Uh, somebody bugged her for taking bed linens. Uh, and she said, I liked them, so I took them. Uh, let's see. Then, uh, you know, very beloved. Uh, she had a Mama Cast television show, Don't Call Me Mom. Also another show called Don't Call Me Mom Anymore. Uh, she was guest on a ton of shows and uh, beautiful, beautiful voice. Uh, beautiful, beautiful presence. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot more in here about... Uh, about uh, Mama Cass Elliot, also a beautiful song to open the episode. Another thing at the top of the episode was this book that uh, Doug Forsett was reading by Pete Singer, The Most Good You Can Do, How Effective Altruism is Changing Ideas About Living Ethically. And this is a real book. Uh, it's from Yale uh, University Press. You can I'll link to it. Uh, you could even get an exam copy if you need it. Uh, and this is what it says on yalebooks.yale.edu. Uh, from the ethicist, the New Yorker calls the most influential living philosopher a new way about thinking and living ethically. It says Pete Singer's books have been uh, you know, trying to upset our complacency. And now he's directing our attention to uh, effective altruism built on the simple but profound idea that living a fully ethical like me, life means doing the most good you can do. That's so interesting uh, from this episode. It uh, requires an unsentimental view of charitable giving. Uh, how good is an organization you're going to be giving to? Uh, will they do the most with your money or will somebody else? Uh, it shows how living altruistically often leads to greater personal fulfillment than living for oneself. Uh, it develops the challenges uh, singers made uh, to those who donate to the hearts uh, and to charities uh, focused on helping citizens rather than for those who can do the most good. Uh, wait a second, Pete. Hold on. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's worth it. Uh, check it out. Uh, he divides his time, ironically enough, between New York City and Melbourne, Australia. Uh, so, like, uh, I don't know. Was that where they were? Were they in Melbourne? What about the radish? I know radishes has come, have come up on this show before. Uh, let them eat radishes, I think I once said. Uh, it's a root vegetable uh, grown throughout, consumed throughout the world. Uh, mostly eaten as raw as a crunchy salad vegetable. Uh, new, numerous in uh, varieties, uh, size, flavor, color, and length of time to maturity. They have the sharp flavor due to different compounds in the plant. Uh, they're sometimes grown as companion plants because they don't have to deal. They they grow. They're hardy, I guess. Uh, they uh, like uh, they can be ready in, within a month. Uh, where larger uh, varieties can take several months. Uh, can also be a catch or cover crop in the winter or a forage crop. Um, there's no archaeological records to help determine the early history of radishes, uh, but they've been around for a very, very long time. 
good cool season co- crop, as we said. Uh, and I love them. Whenever I sometimes I miss them, you know, because kids don't like them as much. But uh, I mean, really a tasty little plant, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, what about elocution? Uh, you know who could use that? It's a, it's a study of formal speaking, pronunciation, grammar, style, and tone. In Western classical rhetoric, elocution was one of the five disciplines of pronunciation, which was the art of delivering speeches. Orators were trained not only in proper diction, but on the uses of gestures, stance, and dress. Uh, uh, Elocution emerged as a formal discipline in the 18th century. Thomas Sheridan uh, lectures on elocution in 1762-1775. John Walker, Elements of Elocution. That was one of my favorite. I, I think someone re, redid that. I don't know if that was Wu-Tang or something. Elements of Elocution. That was a good one. Uh, but uh, then the publication of other works. Uh, um, let's see. In her recent book, The Elocutionist, Women, Music, and the Spoken Word, Marion Wilson Kimber addresses the oft-forgotten female-dominated genre of elocution set to musical accompaniment. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. And you could read a lot more about it. Uh, but obviously, uh, I need to relocate from elocating. Uh, and I move on to lentils, uh, which are a legume, edible. You know, lentils go through seasonal hype, you know. I mean, every couple of years... Uh, People are up or down on them. I know a lentil-based woman named Agatha. It's a lens-shaped seed. Uh, grown pods, usually two seeds to each. Uh, Slit lentils are known as dal. Uh, it could be eaten with rice uh, or rotis. Uh, it's a dietary staple uh, in India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. And uh, as a food crop, it's uh, production comes from Canada, India, and Australia. Uh, they're the oldest known pulse crop uh, around, uh, one of the earliest uh, crops domesticated and uh, found in carbonized remains uh, dating to 11,000 BCE. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there's, you, could, you could read about it all day long, but... Uh, Oh, the lentil production in 2016, uh, Canada, three, over 3 million tons. Uh, India, 1 million tons. Turkey, 365,000. United States, 255,000. And Nepal, 253,000. Uh, so Canada, man, you're holy cow. You're No wonder they were talking about lentils up there. That's interesting. I wonder if they, really, that he's growing lentils, uh, and they like a, f- a firm, smooth seabed. Who doesn't? Uh, seedbed, and not a seabed. Yeah, that's a little bit about lentils. Uh, here's a website that comes up a lot, and I, I just wanted to share it uh, if you're listening here. When I do random searches for stuff about a good place and I can't find research, uh, this website comes up. It's ggia.berkeley.edu. I think I shared an article about it before, but uh, Greater Good in Action, Science-Based Practices for a Meaningful Life. And they have, like, a lot of great stuff on here. I'll link to it, but ggia.berkeley.edu, Greater Good in Action. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think it could help. Uh, they have, like, depending on whatever you're going with, uh, 
it's a science base too. So, uh, we got a couple more things to get through here. Yeah, stone washing, uh, is a textile manufacturing process designed to give man- new cloth a uh, worn out appearance. Uh, it also helps increase, this, increase the softness and flexibility of stiff, rigid fabrics like canvas and denim. Uh, the process uses large stones to roughen up the fabric being processed. Uh, they're based, placed in large industrial clothes washers with large stones, and they get tumbled with them. I never, like, I always wondered what it meant. Uh, uh, Levi Strauss uh, claims to have invented uh, stone washing. Great Western Garment Company that was acquired by Levi's uh, says they invented it in the fifties. Claude Blank Blanket uh, says they invented it. Uh, a jeans company Edwin's claims to have invented it. Uh, so many a lot of companies claim in uh, stone washing. Uh, it creates a faded, worn appearance. Uh, affiliated with Western style soft acid wash denim is uh, washed with pumice stones and chlorine. That was popular in the 60s, uh, in the 80s, I think. Uh, I remember that. Uh, mainstream popularity. Oh, this is still talking about acid wash jeans. I, I thought we were talking about uh, uh, stone washed. I guess that's uh, pebble washed would be acid washed. Uh, not to quibble with, you know. Okay, what about walking uh, from Edmonton to Calgary? I think that's where Doug Forsett was going to walk. Uh, of course, I wanted to look that up. Uh, it looks like it's, uh, it would take straight 62 hours, and Doug's a slow walker, so or 64 hours. Uh, this is in Canada, so we're doing kil- kil- kilometers. Uh, and it would be, uh, like, so three days, uh, not, I guess that would be nonstop walking, 24, 48, yeah, um, 12, 24, yeah, it would take about six days because you couldn't walk more than 12 hours a day, you silly gooses. Uh, I forgot how long Doug said it was going to take, but there's two main routes uh, that come up on the map. Uh, and, you know, Calgary's, if you're leaving from Calgary, you got Banff, uh, right, or the thing, thing. I know some people that used to live up here. So you go through Red Deer. I know some people that lived there. And then eventually you'll end up in Edmonton. Let's see the name. You'd take 814 2A most of the way is one route. Uh, though you could take uh, 791, which looks like a little bit more, less busy as an alternative. It looks like you could also take two. Maybe you just can't walk on two. I don't know. Um but either way, it's a very it's a straight shot. Um, as I mean, as the crow flies, but even the roads, uh, it's a fairly straight shot. Um, because of my internet stuff, I'm looking at the map version, but I'm sure it's very very scenic, and uh, you know, it's something you could do. Uh, probably don't want to do it in the winter. Yeah, what we could do is like take a train from Vancouver to Calgary, then walk to uh, Edmonton. Or, you know, fly into Edmonton, walk to Calgary. And you could say, you know, what about Saskatoon or Regina? I've met a couple um, podcasters from there. Uh, so there's a lot of possibilities, uh, but it, it is walkable, but a long walk. But I think everything is walkable. Then the other thing Doug Forsett was into was snail charities. So I just had to Google, is there any snail charities? 
And what came up actually was uh, from Brighton on the Brighton on the inside dot co dot uk. So from Brighton in the UK, uh, this community article. I don't think I don't see an author. Uh, the streets are teeming with snails as snail space gets started. And no, it's not some sign uh, that something's going on. It's a brilliant. Uh, it's Martlet's Hospice's. Uh, a uh, brilliant and art, art, brilliant art and fundraising project, Snail Space. Uh, it's a giant snails. Uh, Mallets, the local charity that cares for support, and supports people, is teamed up with Wild and Art. What a wonderful project! Uh, with a wonderful uh, uh, caretaking um, mission, they did snow dogs in 2016. And they wanted a mass participation sculpture trail that was fun for everyone while raising funds. And uh, whatever year this article's from, maybe it's this year. I don't know. I don't see a, a time on it. Uh, it wasn't until the 18th of November uh, you would find all sorts of sizes of snails around Brighton and Hove. Uh, 50 giant snails decorated by well-known artists and residents. Uh, uh, David Shrigley. Art and Believe, uh, Cassette Lord, uh, Snail Space website has all the stories behind the art. There's 57 junior snails decorated by children, and each snail is totally different, and they recommend uh, using the Snail Space uh, routes to find them. And please let me know if you've uh, if you checked out the snail. Hashtag Be More Snail. That's one word, Be More Snail. You know, include me on it. Uh, let me know about your snail walk. And it's just aligned with Doug Forsett. I mean, they're raising snails for people, a project helping people. But, uh, you know, who says we can't do five? You know, that, you could, that eventually they couldn't say, well, let's put 5% towards the snails. But it sounds like something uh, Chidi and Jason could get behind. It sounds fun. It sounds artistic. Uh, wonderful. And uh, I want to say wonderfully uh, good night to you. Good night.